settled, Uncle Martin. Amen. As you know, I'm not preaching today. Pastor Moffat is preaching. I've, taken, I've eaten into his time. But uh, Pastor Moffat is, our, is my pastor and is our pastor in Blanta. He makes me be sober. So when he speaks, I listen. Amen. He has got a totally different heart from mine. His is gentle. Mine is rough. But he's just a gentleman. This one is a man of God. Some of us, we were, you know, but this one was God. Amen. So it's great to have him in here. He was supposed to be here, I think, uh, was that last week? Uh, he did something else, which I told him I'll pay back. Uh, but then he said, forgive. So I forgive. But then Pastor Moffat has come with uh, Pastor Chaco, uh, who is also the pastor in Blanta, and Pastor Chaco is his wife. And uh, for the first time in 19 years, I've seen Temba and Ronin in church as well. I will not ask you to stand. <laughs> but but, uh, but their, their kids are here as well, which is great. Tanda and Jade are the only ones who are not with them, but the others are here. So let me ask, uh, uh, Pastor Chaco will be preaching here, I think in March. I've, I've forgotten the date, but she, she will be coming here. And because she's been nice to Pastor Mo, Pastor Mo has to be nice to her as well. So I've spoken in advance. So you will escort her. Amen. Unless you buy her a plane ticket. Amen. So, Anchako, just to stand up. Uh, okay. So that's uh, Pastor Chako. May God bless you. Temba and Ron, in case people see you in town, then they will know you are Pastor Moffat and uh, Anchako's kids. So stand up. This is to make sure you don't misbehave anywhere, Amen. which I know you want. Amen. But we love you, kids. God bless you. You may sit down. And Pastor Moore, please come up front, share the word with, of God with us, and uh, may the Lord richly bless you. Amen. Amen. I can't hear you. Amen. How many people are glad to be here? Let me see your hand if you're glad to. Turn to your neighbor and tell your neighbor, neighbor, I'm so glad to be in the house of the Lord. We thank God for the opportunity to come here and minister the word of God with you. Pastor McDuffie is right. Last Friday we had an outreach at um, Must and uh, we were only finishing. I remember we sang the last song at 12 midnight. We were getting home at 2 a.m. after deliveries. We were going to bed at 4 in the morning. I thought it would have been so difficult for us to, to drive because we are so exhausted. That's why we couldn't make it last, last week. At least the good news is seven people came to the Lord during the worship night and during the afternoon. The young people ministered to their fellow young people and uh, God did great things. And thank you, Pastor McDuff. For, for giving me. I will repent one more thing. I've been praying for uh, God to be, we've been praying for God to send people from, from Lilongwe Church to Blanta. Now I've seen people are coming here at a faster rate. We repent. We'll never pray anyone out of Lilongwe Church. All right. I see my sister Yango from Blanta. She's here. Amen. Uh, Pastor McDuff, as he was talking, and as he was praying, he started getting into my message and I said, Holy Spirit, if you don't stop him, it will be like I'm just preaching his prayer or what he was saying. But 
God is amazing. Amen. I planned to preach something else, but last night God put this message upon my heart. I, I'm sitting there. He's talking and he's preaching and he's saying some of the things which are in my message. I'm like, wow. So this morning, turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 9. And we'll read verses 27 to 31. Matthew chapter 9. The title of the message is, Can You See? Turn to your neighbor and ask your neighbor. Neighbor, can you see? If you found it, say amen. If you're still looking for it, say God is good. If you can't find it, just say he loves me anyway. Alright, so verse 27, the Bible says, As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him, and Jesus asked them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. And their sight was uh, uh, yes, Lord, they replied. Verse 29, then he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. Jesus warned them sternly, see that no one knows about this. But in, the, in, in verse 31, the Bible says, but they went out and spread the news about him all over that region. Now, let me start by giving a background to this. This is a story about two blind men. The Bible tells us that both of them were blind, so they could not see. And uh, these men had heard that Jesus had gone to the house of Jairus. If I may just take a little time to explain on that, Matthew chapter 9 starts with the story of the man who was paralyzed. His four friends bring him to Jesus. Jesus heals him. And after that, Jesus is speaking in a house, speaking to people. And whilst Jesus is ministering, a man by the name of Jairus walks to him and says, Lord, if you do not come to my house and pray for my daughter, she is going to die because she's about to die. Jesus leaves immediately with Jairus en route to his house. But whilst they are going to his house, a woman with the issue of blood comes and touches the hem of his garment. Jesus stops to attend to her. And time has been lost. By the time this woman has been healed, she's happy, she's jumping. And as Jesus is about to turn back to Jairus to say, let's keep going. Men come, talk to Jairus and tell him, don't trouble the master anymore because your daughter has died. Leave him alone. The Bible says Jesus overheard that and said to Jairus, don't worry, just believe. Long story short, they go to the house of Jairus and there was wailing and weeping. You know, when a child dies and the parents are coming, especially the father, for the first time to the house. I'm sure people upon seeing that's the father, the wailing must have gone loud. And Jesus comes and tells them, why are you wailing? Why are you crying? She's not dead. She's just asleep. The very same people who were feeling sorry began to laugh. <laughs> he's crazy. Where did he come from? Mars or what? Doesn't he know that when a person is dead, he's dead? But then Jesus uh, tells all of them to go out of the house. He's left there alone with, uh, alone with the child. He lays hands on the child and calls her back to life. She comes back to life. Now, these stories had gotten to these two blind men. 
I want you to see something. When Jesus came out of the house of Jairus, as he continued, the Bible tells us, these two blind men started following him. Now, they did not see Jesus with their physical eyes because they were unable to see physically like you and me does. But they had heard about the miracles that Jesus was doing. These two blind men didn't have the advantage of witnessing miracles firsthand. The only evidence they had that Jesus heals is what they heard others say. I'm sure they heard, they would overhear people talk. Did you see how he commanded the paralytic man? Wow! He just said, rise up. And the guy just goes, goo, 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 goo. he jumps. Did you hear what he did at Jerusalem? Um, man, this man is amazing. He just said, and the baby rises up and the baby starts to walk. And these guys just heard. And after they had heard, they believed the miracles. To them it was a testimony that Jesus heals. I find their faith church to be so amazing. The reason why I find it amazing, it's because they believed before they had seen him. Because they could not see him. You see, fast forward to John chapter 20, verse 29. Jesus has died. He's risen from the dead. And he has gone to show himself up to the disciples. When he does that the first time, one disciple is missing by the name of Thomas Didymus. And when Thomas Didymus comes back and finds his fellow disciples, they tell him he was here. We saw him with our eyes. You hear that, huh? We, we, we saw him with our eyes. Then Thomas Didymus says, I don't believe it and I will not believe it until I see him myself. Take my fingers and put in those wounds. Then I would know, then I will believe that Jesus is, is really risen. The Bible says, whilst they were talking, Jesus appeared. And he looks at Thomas and says, Thomas, come. Get your finger, because he's the Lord, he's all-knowing. Put it in my arms. And he says, no, 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 Lord, no, no, no. It's enough. I, I believe. And Jesus says, you know what, Thomas? You have believed because your eyes have seen me. Then in verse 29, Jesus said, then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have seen, who have not seen, and yet believe. So he's saying, blessed are the people who will believe just after hearing. That, that scripture is too flawed because Jesus was, was also talking about us who just hear the message and believe. But if I take you back, you'll see that these two blind men, though they were blind, yet they were ahead of people who had physical eyes. People who had physical eyes would see Jesus and not believe in. Yet the people who could not see were way ahead of them. They could just hear and believe, which is exactly what God wants in you and in me. Now, these guys were on a mission. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 27, the Bible says, As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. I want to show you something this morning. Crying out, son of David, showed that to them, to these two blind men. Jesus was the expected Christ. Why? 
during the time or during this time the Jews believed that the Messiah would be the son of David and not just David's descendant. So they believe that when he comes, he will be called the son of David. Now for the fact that these men were crying out, these men were crying out and saying, Jesus, son of David, it means they had even gone a further step and realized that this is the Messiah we've been waiting for. In Matthew chapter 12, verses 22 to 23, the Bible says, Then they brought him a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute, and Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. All the people were astonished and said, Could this be the son of David? In other words, they are saying, Could this be the Messiah? Yet this blind man who can't even see, believe he is the Messiah. And you know what? They did not say this just between the two of them. They were saying it loud. Because they are blind men, they are just being led following the crowd. I'm sure they were crying out, Jesus, son of David, son of David. You see, by doing that, they were proclaiming to those who could see, yet they could not see. That though you can see, you can't see. We can't see, but we can see, guys. This is the Messiah. But they still didn't see. Yo, that's why I asked at the beginning, can you see? Because seeing is more than just seeing what you see with your physical eyes. It, it, it gets even more amazing because in Luke chapter 4, verses 6 to 21, this is what the Bible says. I will read that quickly. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on a Sabbath day, he went up into the synagogue. And as was the custom, he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And rolling it, he found the place where it is written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to prisoners and, to re and the recovery of sight for the blind. Other versions say and, um, to, to heal the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying, today... This scripture, in other words, what was prophesied by Isaiah is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus is telling them today as you hear this, that man who was talked about is the one who has just read this. Interestingly, verse, 20, uh, verse 21, 20, sorry, at the end it says, the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, yet they didn't see. All along his ministry, Jesus gave so many clues to the people, but they never saw. They never saw. These blind men are amazing. 
Because some people, when they looked at Jesus, they just saw him as the son of the carpenter, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. But these men, though blind, they were able to see more than that. His brothers, his own siblings, never believed him. They grew up with him in the, in the same home. When Jesus studied his ministry, they saw him. And the Bible tells us they did not believe him. I'm sure there were times they were reminding us, we know who you are. Should we remind you the day you were crying after ABC? Jesus was a man. Sometimes we think he grew up in a special way. No, he just grew up like you and me. Maybe there were times the brothers shoved him. He fell and they tried, maybe they hit him. Just like a normal child. They did not believe him. They didn't see him as a Messiah. Yet two blind men who don't have physical eyes were able to see that this is the Messiah. He is the son of David. The anointed one who was promised through the prophets in the Old Testament. And they didn't stop there. They believed in him. That's what I find more amazing. In verse 28 of Matthew chapter 9, the Bible says, When he had gone indoors, the blind man, the blind man came to him. He asked them, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. So in their pursuit to ensure that they get, they get their healing, they didn't just stop following Jesus when, he, when they heard that he has gone inside the house. Because there are times we are pursuing our miracles, but we give up too soon. We are a generation that's not patient. That's why we'll be quick to come and say, Pastor Macduff, I have trusted God. I have prayed for two years. How long should I pray? Tell me. You tell me, Abus. For how long? I'm done. Tell God, <clears throat> I'll do it my own way. That's you and me. But these guys were so patient. Remember, when they were crying out, Jesus, sign of David. Jesus did not turn back and say, who is calling me? He was just walking as if he was not hearing it, yet he was hearing it. Sometimes Jesus hears everything. In actual fact, not sometimes. Jesus hears everything, every prayer you say to him. But sometimes he just wants to see, will you follow him? Will you keep on? You remember how sometimes parents, when you have a little kid, how you, how you tease the, one, the young one? You take a toy and say, eh. And when the child does that, you go, Mommy! Okay, take it. He's a loving father, eh? Now, when Jesus asked them, do you believe they professed their faith? Yes, Lord, we believe. And the Bible says, Jesus answered to their faith and he said, just as you believe, let it be done to you. And immediately, their eyes opened and they were able to see. In verse 29, the Bible says, Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, let it be done to you. And the sight was restored. And then Jesus warned them sternly, See that no one knows about this. Now, let's apply it to our lives. You see, the day Jesus came into our hearts after we had believed in him, that is the day God opened our spiritual eyes. Because until then, we were blind. 
all we had were physical eyes. When Christ comes into our hearts, he takes off the, uh, the spiritual blindness and he gives us a spiritual sight. Now, blindness came upon us because of the sinful nature. The fact that we are descendants of Adam, we're born as sinners. Christ died on the cross. He is light so that he could be light in our lives. Now, God wants us to see far beyond that which our physical eyes see. God does not just want us to see things the way the world sees them. Because there is more to it. Um, he does not want us to be blind to what is happening in our time so that we can be better witnesses of him but at the same time we can always be ready and be aware that he's coming sooner than we may ever thought. Now, let me ask you this morning. Let's do a simple exercise. When you come to church here, when you are turning at that corner and your eyes see this side, what do you see? Let me ask you, what do you see? This morning when you were coming there and you're looking this way, what do you see? Come on. It's not an exam. What do you see? You see the shelter. Uh-huh. Pastor C is saying she sees a church. What else? What do you see? The tent. All right? Now, but you and me, we are privileged. Because we are KICC members. Though today we are under this shelter. By the way, I give glory to God. Because last time I was standing here and preaching. It was that tent. And there was some, uh, uh, what do we call it? Malasha in this place. Today there's, there's a flow. Actually I went, wow, okay. Things are happening. But you see, you and me are privileged. Because though today we see this shelter. Yet in our hearts, in our eyes, our eyes are able to see that one day, because our God is faithful, in this very place will stand the majestic church. Now for people who are passing there, who are not part of us, they don't know that. All they see is a shelter. Maybe some of them say, hmm, they don't know. But you and me, we see that. Sometimes when we are there, we see it. We see the beautiful floor. We see the balcony. We see better equipment. We see the praise team ministering. We see Pastor Macduff standing. A thousand people sitting in the audience. They don't see it, but you and me see it. And guess what? It will come to pass. So that's the thing. But you see, the problem is when you and me See like the guys who are passing on the road. They see a shelter and all you see is a shelter. Full stop. There's a problem. Because you're supposed to see beyond that. I was sharing with young people one day and I said, people who have a vision will go to a place. They will see a forest. And most of the people will just come and say, wow, forest, hey, a thick one. But people who see beyond the forest will stand there and see, wow. In the middle of the forest, I see a road from here. I see the trees just in the middle cleared. I see a beautiful lodge. I see a swimming pool behind. 
That's how God, church, wants us to see every day as we walk with him. We shouldn't just see what everybody sees. And you see, we should allow the Holy Spirit to help us see these things in our, with, with our spiritual eyes. Because the physical eyes cannot see such things. Such wonderful and great things. It's only the Holy Spirit in us who can help us to see that. And you know what? Unless God opens our spiritual eyes, we will never operate at the level God intended us to. I'll say that again. If our eyes are not opened, we will continue to operate at a lower level. When our spiritual eyes are opened and we begin to see as he sees, we will begin to operate at the level God wants us to. And that's why sometimes people of faith, they do things and you think they are mad. The reason it's because they see what you can't see. And that's also the reason why you cannot uh, discourage them. Even when you try to tell them what you are trying to do, nobody has done it. Stop this madness, they'll tell you. But I think it's going to work. Because they're able to operate from where God wants them, uh, wants them to operate. There's a very good example in 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 15 to 17. Of what happens when you are able to operate from where God wants you to operate. In verse 15, the Bible says, When the servant, the man of God, got up and went out early next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked, this is the servant of the man of God. And in verse 16, the Bible says, don't be afraid. The prophet answered, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the servant and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Now the story to that is this. There was a time the Assyrians were trying to fight the children of Israel. And what happened was God would let Elisha know before the attack was launched. And Elisha would send his servant to the king and say, the Assyrians are about to do A, B, C, D. Now you should do X, Y, Z. So every time their plans were thwarted. And one day, the king of Assyria assembled all his army and all his generals. And he said, guys, I have come to discover that every time we have a plan, even a plan that's so good to attack the children of Israel, we have someone who is a betrayer amongst us. This guy goes and tells them everything we have planned. That king knows everything. How? Even when we plan in closed doors, with strict security, he, they still know. The Bible says, one of the guys raised up his hand and said, Your Majesty, I want to tell you something. You don't have anybody who comes out of a meeting and goes and tells them, uh-uh, they have a man of God there. 
prophet Elisha, what happens is the moment we sit and plan, God shows him everything. Everything. So by the time we are done planning, this man knows, then he goes and he tells the king. The king was furious, so he said, go after that guy. And so the Bible says, a multitude of soldiers came and surrounded the city where Elisha was. When his servant went outside, he saw that multitude of soldiers. He was scared because they had surrounded them. So he rushes to the man of God and says, Elisha, we are in trouble. You see, the soldiers are here. They have surrounded the city. Meanwhile, Elisha is just chilling out, says, don't worry, young man, it's good. He says, no, 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 you don't understand. I am telling you, it's not that I have heard. Come out, oh, they have surrounded the city. Then Elisha says, ah, come on. You know what? Elisha realized this young man is operating at a different level. So he prays and he says, all right, Lord, bring him to my level. He's blinded. He's just got physical eyes. So he prays. He says, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. And the Bible says, God opened his eyes. That moment he goes, wow, yo, 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 wow. Because now he sees that the angels of God who have surrounded Elisha are more than those. He goes like, yo, I wish I knew. I'm sure he was even dancing. Come, come, try, try us, try us, try us. Sometimes we don't make it in life because we are operating at this level when we are supposed to operate at a higher level. Where we should see that which God wants us to see. And you see, that's our biggest problem today as Christians. It's because we just see as everybody sees. I'll give you some examples this morning. In actual fact, we, we can look at this servant and call him names, but I'll tell you something, church. Most of us, the bad news is we are just like him. And it's my prayer that God should open our eyes this morning. I'll give you an example. In politics today, most of the children of God, and that's worldwide, Malawi inclusive, we just see what the world sees. We do not see what God sees. And this is the reason why when a politician stands up and stands us with, with his talk, comes up with a good manifesto, because we just hear like the world, see like the world, we go, wow, wow, that's my man, that's my man. Yet if we were to see what God says, we would be able to say, he may stand, he may talk, he may wow us, but mm -mm, that's not what God is saying. You see, there was a time God called a man by the name of Moses. He was a stammer man. Think about that. He was to lead four million people out of Egypt to Canaan. Aaron, on the other hand, who was his brother, was an eloquent person. In other words, I'm sure when Aaron would stand and speak, he would wow you. Yet God goes for a stammer man. Imagine he stands before Pharaoh. God has sent me to speak Aaron to you. Think about it, church. Let's take, think about it. 
for a moment, what would you say? If God raised a man like that and say he'll be the president of Malawi, he stands on the podium and is going, my fellow Malawians would all say, hey, get him off the podium. Get out of here. That's where we miss God. They saw a stammerman, but God saw a great leader who would do his work. And indeed, he did it. There was a day God wanted to anoint a new king in Israel when Saul had disobeyed him. He calls prophet Samuel, come. Prophet Samuel goes to the house of Jesse because God had commanded him to do that. He tells Jesse, line up your sons. The sons who were soldiers get lined up. And you know, soldiers in those days, each one of them stands and they're handsome. And they've got a nice pack, not this airbag, a nice six pack. They stand and Samuel looks at the first one as he's about to anoint him. God says, no, not that one. He goes to the second one. God says, not that one. The Bible says at one time, Samuel set his eyes at one of them and he says, this is the one. And when he was just about to, God says, stop. Samuel, can I remind you something, my servant? So imagine even prophet Samuel, the man of God, who spent his life sleeping next to the Ark of the Covenant, was about to miss because he was using physical eyes to see. God had to remind him and say, stop using your physical eyes. Use my eyes. He is not the one. And he goes to the last one. He's actually confused. Ah, Now, God says, don't worry. I got it under control. Ask the father. Ask him, does he have any more sense? The father had even forgotten he had this little boy looking after the sheep. He goes like, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's another one, but you know, he's just a shepherd. The little boy. He says, okay, call him. You can imagine it straight from looking after shepherds. There comes David. And God says, that's my man. I'm sure someone was like, oh God. All right. Church, until we will come to that position as a church of God, we will keep blaming politicians when the problem is you and me because we do not see. Unless we open our eyes, our spiritual eyes and see beyond what we see, beyond these wow things, we will keep saying, this one is bad, that one is bad. But we must see beyond what we see. Most Christians will be left behind when Jesus comes because they see what is happening around in the same way the world sees. Today we see violence even in our own nation. People are so angry. The way they react to a small thing sometimes troubles my spirit. They will catch a guy who was stealing a goat. They've caught him and they have recovered the goat. They will not just beat him up. They want him dead. Today people are not afraid to shed blood. And we see these things. There are so many things that I can talk about which are happening in our own nation. Yet when we see those things, all we see is what the world sees. Yet, if you are a child of God, 
And if you were to see with the eyes that God wants us to see, you would see Matthew 24 unfolding. You would see that this is one of the signs that we are in the last of the last days. You would make sure that your bags are packed and you are ready to go home. You would make sure that you walk with Christ every day. I was telling the church in Blanta, I said, there was a time in the past, I think, uh, actually it's recorded in the book of Timothy, when some teachers were telling young men not to get married. And um, Paul rebuked that. And I was saying, you know what? The reason why they were telling the young men to not to get married, it's because they believed Jesus was coming soon. So they said, why should you marry when he will come before you even stand on the aisle? So Paul rebuked that. And this is what I said to the young people. I said, you know, what you have to do is this. Get ready. When I say get ready, I mean you are ready. Your bags are packed. So as a young person, you go to college with your packed bags. Whilst the lecturer is busy giving a lecture, if you hear the last trumpet, bam, 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 zoom, you are gone because you are ready. If it takes a little bit time because nobody knows the hour and you see a beautiful sister and God says that's the one and she is indeed the one, you propose, but your backs are packed and you make sure that that's why it's important. That's why I said he started preaching my message. That's why she too has to be a child of God like you, her bags packed. Because her bags are packed, your bags are packed. Guys with ba packed bags have met. That's good news. Because you remind each other. I hope your bag is still packed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And whilst you wait for him to come, life has to go on. So one day, you find out, okay, okay, fine, it's happened. You come and stand before Pastor Macduff. But even if you would be standing here, if Pastor Macduff would say, follow after me. Say, I take thee at that moment before you even say, I take thee. Because your bags are packed, you, you are gone. You're not left behind. But if it doesn't come at that time, you get married. Whilst you're expecting a baby, your bags are packed. You're already declaring good things on the baby too. He comes, zoom, both of you are going. But you can only do that when you see with the eyes of God. If we just see what the world says, everything is normal. It's just normal time. We won't see beyond this normal time. Most Christians are deceived today because they just see with their physical eyes. If we were able to see with the eyes that God has given us, we would be able to see beyond the miracles that are happening. And we would see and discern and say, uh -uh, the power that's being used here does not come from the Lord. The reason is very simple, church. Study the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Every miracle that Jesus performed turned the hearts of men to God. That's why after miracles, the Bible says, and people glorified God, not Jesus. Yet he was the son of God. When you would study the book of Acts, you'll find that after a miracle, the Bible says, and the people who were there believed in the Lord. But when miracles happen and nobody turns to God, nobody repents, nobody looks up to God, there is a problem. Maybe it is time you see beyond that. Unfortunately, we are a generation that likes things that tickle you. You know that, huh? We like men of God that will come and tickle you. 
who will jump on the platform. Today I see something happening in my life. Yes, man of God. You are going to be blessed and you are blessed. I see you blessed. Your shoes are blessed. Your trousers is blessed. Yes, preach on your jacket is blessed. You're not even listening. Eh? <laughs> if you would listen, you would say, my shoes, my trousers, my jacket. What are you talking about, men of God? <laughs> but we don't pay attention. We just want to get wild. And you know, these guys know how to do that. I'm a church boy. I grew up in church. I see Sister Mary is looking at me. She's nodding. She also grew up. We know. And they know how to steer you up. Five minutes into the message, you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. So that even if they say it and your wife is mine, you won't even think about it. You just say, I received it. Ah, what did you say? <laughs> it's all because we do not see with the eyes of God. If only we saw with the eyes of God, church, we would not be deceived. Remember Jesus said, in the last days many false prophets will come. Jesus said they will perform signs, miracles, and wonders so that if the time was not shortened, even the elite, who are the elite people who are really holding on to God, would be deceived. Now that tells you that they're not using the power from God. Otherwise, Jesus would have said so. So we must have eyes so that we are able to see. Something that breaks my heart in church today is that so many people, again, Pastor McDuff started preaching my message there, marry wrong people because they only see with the physical eyes. So when a young man is grown up, when his time comes, Instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to help him so that when he will see a young lady in church, a sister in church, he will see with the eyes of God, he sees with the physical eyes. So he will look at her and go, wow, wow, she is beautiful. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, the way she talks. Her smile just melts me. I'm not saying the, the right one will not melt you with a smile. No, no, no. But I'm saying you should see beyond that. And they stop there. Three years, four years into marriage, problems have resurfaced because they never saw with the eyes of God. They never saw with the eyes of God. You see, people who just look with physical eyes, as I've said, they will look for beauty. Sisters will just look for a six-pack. Come on. One more. Six-pack. Imagine I could dim that t-shirt. So what? Are you serious, my sister? That's all? Do you see how he walks? How he carries himself? Yo, the muscles. I can go to church. Hey, Nice. Are you serious? A child of God? Really? And after that, you go to Pastor Macduff. I found him, Pastor. And Pastor Macduff asks you, is he saved? Ah, no, but he comes to church, Pastor. Every Sunday, I'm a No, no, no. I said, 
easy. He saved. I'm a bit of chalisha abus. Come abusa. abusa. Ask Pastor Sunga. We we hear things, eh? And sometimes you you know sometimes Pastor Macduff says he's a rough one, but sometimes even the soft one, I I I, I get annoyed and I feel like should I slap him, Rod? No, I shouldn't. Our young ladies today in the church, they just see as far as material things and riches go. They never see the love of God that person has. The heart of that person. The faithfulness to God of that person. Because unless he or she is first faithful to God, they will not be faithful to you. Trust me. So we must see beyond that. Ask Dr. Melder. One day he met a young man putting on a simple shoe at Chancellor College. He was leading hymns. He didn't come from a rich family. Huh? In actual fact, the first time he saw traffic lights, he stopped and was like, oh, Chusint, Chusint, Chusint. That's what he saw. But because, but because, <laughs> I repent. <laughs> But because she saw beyond that, she was able to see the potential. You, 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 you hear me? And she was able to see this person is faithful to God. No wonder they can stand and say, 23 years, God has been with us. Maybe let me talk about myself. When Pastor C came from a well-to-do family, one day she met this guy from Chimangunda. I only had one shoe, karat shoe. I'm serious. When I would dress up and know that today I've dressed to kill, it means on my shoe was a karat shoe. With a nice trousers, of course, from Kaunjika. Bayansbeg. But she was able to see beyond that. I've repented, Pastor McDavid. Church, I'm not just saying this. I've, I've used that example because Pastor McDuff has talked about it in church a couple of times, especially when I was here. So I knew he would forgive me quickly. But what I'm saying is, I am not saying, and get me, for those of you who are still looking, I'm not saying you shouldn't go for someone who is already established. Uh-uh. Let me put a balance to it. If that person loves God, they are saved and sold out to Christ, God bless you, my sister. God bless you, my brother. But there are times... They will just have potential, but the potential hasn't yet come out. So you will be able to see that too. So I'm not saying, I didn't say that. I said potential. They must have potential. Yet Pastor McDuff, they must have potential because you need to eat. When you will have children, they will need to go to school, a good school. That's why they, he must have potential. You will actually know that one day he will work hard. We will not be where we are. We may start here, but I know in 20 years time we'll be somewhere very far. That's seeing with the eyes of the Lord. But when we just see as the world sees, we will be in trouble, church. We will be in trouble. We must see beyond that. Let me finish this morning. In, in Matthew chapter 26, verse 41, the Bible says, watch and pray 
so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. This was Jesus praying in the field of Gethsemane just before he was betrayed and taken and crucified on the cross. He had taken James, John, and Peter who were his closest disciples. When he got there, he told them, stay here and pray with me. I will go and pray a little further. When he came back after an hour, he found them fast asleep. So he woke them up. That's when he told them, guys, could you not just stay with me in prayer for just an hour? Then he tells them, you must watch and pray. Two things. Prayer is so important for you and for me. You cannot see with the eyes of God if you are a prayerless person. Prayer is important because in, in prayer, that's where you develop an intimate relationship with God. That's where you learn to hear him and he hears you. Because prayer is to where you talk to God, God talks back to you. The more you talk to him and the more he talks back to you, you start recognizing his voice. Even through the promptings of the Holy Spirit. When there is a prompting, you actually know this is the Holy Spirit speaking to me. These are not my thoughts, it's him. You cannot know that if you don't spend time with him. It's like a relationship. Get to think about it. Those of us who are married, you will remember when we were in a relationship. How you longed to see her. How you longed to see him. I thank God because some of you, if you, if in those days there were mobile phones, hey, you would have been so poor because you would have been finishing all your money making calls. One of them is me. I always tell my children to say, I thank God I was born in 1969. No, no apologies to that. God is really God. And because for God is he self-existent, like Pastor Macduff said, I can't say because he's self-existent. Because he's self-existent. But here's the thing. He, really, he is really all-knowing. I think I've said this before, even here in church, that I would go to a booth. In those days, we had to call using a telephone booth. And I would stay on a queue. And when my turn comes, I was loaded with 20 tambalas and 50 tambalas. So I would line them up. And you can imagine the person behind you is like, what? And I would be talking and talking. And I would even lose the sense that the line is building. Until maybe somebody on the line would say, excuse me, young man. Can you also give us a chance to talk? And I would say, honey, don't worry. Just hold on. People want to talk. I will go at the back of line. I will be back in a short while. And I would go back until the last one chum, goes. Imagine if I had a cell phone. <laughs> but what am I saying? That's how we should live our prayer life church with God. We should miss him. We should long for that time. It shouldn't be like No, no. No. If we really love God with our heart, as the Bible says, love the Lord with all your heart, with all your strength. We will long for a time when we talk to him and when we hear his voice in prayer. If we do that, it will be easier for us to have our spiritual eyes opened and to see as God wants us to see. The other thing God says is watch. When we are watchful, it means we are allowing the Holy Spirit to stir up the gift of discernment in us. So that we discern the times. So that we are not ignorant of what is happening around us. And you will agree with me that watching goes beyond the naked eye. Because it is the ability to see with our spiritual eyes. 
and praying so that God can guide us in our daily walk with him. My prayer this morning is that may the Lord open our eyes that from this day we will begin to see just like he sees. So much so that even if in Malawi 16 million people see differently out of the 17, the rest of you will put your foot down and say, that's what we have seen. That's what God has said. We need to begin to see like that. So that at your workplace, when everybody thinks that what is happening, I was chatting with Aunt Wambui. I was saying, church, be watchful. Today, things are turning upside down. Corruption is becoming the norm. And it's not just in government parasteros. It's also in the industry. People get orders because they bribe somebody. It's getting to a point where if you come and say, I don't bribe, they look at you like, what did you say? I'm like, is he coming from mass? Can you educate him? This is not church. Eh? Tell him. Maybe he should just remain at church. So the, norm, the abnormal is becoming the normal. The normal is now becoming the abnormal. Unless we see and make that decision and say, I will do. Because it just doesn't stop at seeing. Remember the blind men. They saw, they acted and believed in that. So after we have seen, we must believe in what God is seeing us. And walk in that. They may call you names and say whatever. But if that's what God is saying. That is what you are going to do. Amen. Let's close our eyes this morning. Maybe you are here this morning. And you are saying to yourself. I have made some mistakes in my life. Because I was not able to see. The way God wanted me to see. Had I seen. What God wanted me to see. I wouldn't have made that decision there. The good news is. We serve a merciful God. And today can be a new beginning. Where you can make that decision. And tell yourself. I will begin to see God. Uh, see things the way God. Wants me to see things. And if you're there this morning. And you're crying out and you're saying Lord. In the decisions I make. In my walk with you. Even in the investments decision I'm making. In my life I want to see like you. And after you have shown me what I should see. I want to operate from where you want me to operate from. So that I become who you want me to become. If you are there this morning. And that is your prayer. I just want you to raise your hand. So that we can pray together. Though that are saying I want to see the way God wants me to see. And I want to walk in that. Just raise your hands high. Just raise your hands high. I'll do something this morning. Pastor Magdaf, Pastor C, Pastor Sunga, please come. Just walk to the front quickly and I'll ask the pastors to pray for you. Just come to the front. Don't be ashamed because you want to see the way God wants you to see. You don't want to miss your destiny. You don't want to miss the things that God has prepared for you. So come to the front. Pastor Madaf, please. Pray for the people. Pastor Sunga. And if Dr. Melda is around, she can also come. Let's pray for the people.
as a praise team is ministering. Jesus, I surrender. 